how we got here in our existence today. How we got here in the situation that we're in. And we started talking about this. We started in Genesis chapter 2. We went through all of that. And then we found out that there was a big lie. And the big lie was that the enemy had tricked Adam and Eve. That the enemy had, had tempted Eve and she ate the fruit. She gave to Adam and he ate the fruit. And the rest is history. We lost our dominion over the earth. We lost the title deed to the earth. We lost everything that was given to us by our creator. And so uh, we find ourselves in a broken world and in a situation where bad things were going to happen to good people. And whenever bad things happen to good people, the first thing you hear people say is this, why does God allow that to happen? One scripture today, I believe it was in Isaiah 45, God said, I've created good and I've created evil. But you see, it's because that we live in a world that is broken. We live in a system that is broken because of this lie that came about in the Garden of Eden. That was in Genesis chapter 3. Then there were curses. The Lord put curses upon the whole situation and the whole mess. He put a curse on the serpent. He said, you uh, are going to go on the earth all your days of your existence on your belly now. So apparently snakes had legs at one time. Okay, how about that? Oh, and let me say this. Uh, don't, don't feel bad if you eat an apple because the Bible doesn't say that they ate an apple in the garden. They just ate fruit. We don't know what it was. So you can eat. go ahead and eat that apple. It's all right. You've been eating a lot of apples, so she's happy. So there was a curse on the serpent. Then there was a curse on the woman. The woman would have trouble in childbearing. She would have pain and sorrow for that. And then uh, the last thing was her desire would be to her husband, and he shall rule over thee. And um, that has always been a situation where uh, you notice that the, the movements that always rise up to to uh, come against political situations or is always usually the uh, women's liberation movement, women's lib, ERA, remember all of those? Some of you remember those. That's because in the, in the, in the, the makeup and the character of the woman and in that curse that there was a desire to, for her husband and that would be to rule over her, that is part of the curse. That's where that comes from. Some of you ladies who married a man and you said, I know that when we get married, he's going to change, have found out that he really hasn't changed. All right? That's been perplexing, I know. That's, that's a tough situation. So let me tell all you single ladies, what you get when you're dating is probably what you're going to get when you're married. Oh, I know I will change him. You might as well get you a bottle of ketchup in your back pocket and carry it around. In fact, all of us, whatever, whatever you like, mustard, ketchup, Tabasco, Franks, whatever it is, always carry something in your back pocket. That way when you've got to eat your words, you can put something on it so it tastes a little bit better going down. Amen? I'm, don't raise your hands, but... How many of you women said, I'm going to change him, and he didn't change? All right. In fact, probably it gets worse because you're when you get into a marriage, then things get freer. I mean, and I'm not going to discuss that today, but you think about it. There was a curse on the man. There was a curse on the earth. The man was going to have to work by the sweat of his brow. The earth was not going to give forth its full harvest. It was going to have thorns and thistles. It was going to be a situation where man would have sorrow all the days of his life. So everything that is bad came from the lie of the enemy. Because God had set everything up for it to be perfect. Amen? So there was a substitution that was made. And this is what we're going to talk about today. The tree of life. Man and woman could not get near the tree of life. When the fall happened... 
the Lord put angels, cherubims, around the tree of life to guard it because what happened would have happened would have been this, that man and woman in their fallen state would have got a hold of the tree of life and have partook of the fruit, and then they would have been eternally condemned in sin, unable to be redeemed because of the tree of life. The next time you read about the tree of life, other than in a poetic sense, in a poetic form, is going to be in heaven. The tree of life is now in heaven. The tree of life sits between the rivers which flow through that eternal city. Amen? Isn't that awesome? Huh? Is this good so far? Y'all happy? Huh? Adam and Eve's inability to eat from this tree after their sins show that they failed to gain immortality or eternal life. Because of their sin, they were subject to death and dying. This condition lasted until the coming of Jesus Christ, the second Adam, who offers eternal life to all who believe in him, 1 John 5, 11. And this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have God's Son does not have life. So that means we better get God in our lives. Better get a relationship with the Lord. Amen. Romans chapter 5. We're going to go there today. This is where we're kicking it off. We're starting a slow ride. Brother Danny showed me a picture today. Pray for Brother Danny's house today. Who was that in the chair? Zach is in the chair crying. Looking stressed out. Hand, foot, and mouth. You'll make it through, Brother Dan. It'll be all right. Amen. When Adam sinned, sin entered into the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone. For everyone sinned. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given. But it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Still, everyone died. From the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not disobey an explicit commandment of God as Adam did. Now Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who was yet to come. But there is a great difference. Everybody say great difference. There's a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gifts of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation. But God's free gift leads to our being made right with God even though we are guilty of many sins. You and I are guilty of all kinds of sins. You and I are guilty of all kinds of transgressions. But because of Jesus Christ, we are made right through the gift of his grace and mercy. Amen? So, we can baptize today, and we can see the sins of those two fine young people washed away. And now they start a new life. They start a new course in life. Now they're going to realize there's going to be a presence there that when they sin, they're going to know it. There's going to be a voice that's going to be talking to them even louder than before. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. Amen. How many of you are planning on dying? All right, five of you. All right, the rest of you get ready because you're going to too. All of us are going to die unless the Lord swoops us out of here. Okay? How many is hoping for that? I don't want people looking at my old hard, cold body. Let's all of you go by crying. Let your tears drip on my makeup. Put streaks on your cheeks. Amen. Grant will just be saying, oh, Lord, if you just gave me one more time to see Pastor Dan. I wouldn't say anything about his snoring now. Not a word. Not a word. Because one, verse 19, because one person disobeyed God, 
Many became sinners. We're sinners because of one person's disobedience. One person's disobedience, all of us became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. And that is us. And guess what? We are made righteous simply because that he is righteous. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to take a test. You don't have to do an exam. You don't have to do anything but show up in the presence of the Lord and you are righteous because he is righteous. The devil's lying to some of you and saying you're not worthy. You're not worthy to be in the church. You're not worthy to do this. You're not worthy to be a Sunday school teacher. You're not worthy to teach a Bible study. And the devil keeps you back with all of his lies. He keeps you down and he keeps you wanting to say, you know, I can't do this and I can't do that. Guess what? You will never get good enough to get God. None of us will ever get good enough to get God. You don't get good to get God. You get God to get good. You don't get good to get God. You get God to get good. And the operation of the Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Ghost, coming into our life changes us and makes us what God wants us to become. Guarantee you, I don't talk and say the words that I talked and said 35 years ago. Well, wait a minute. Yeah, no, I was in Bible college 30, 40 years ago. Let's do that. Oh, Lord, I'm putting an age on this. Right? I don't say the things I used to say before I got in the kingdom. I don't do the things I used to do before I got in the kingdom. Now I'm a new man in Christ. I'm a new creature in Christ. But there's a struggle in each and every one of us. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen? Amen. Uh-oh. I'm going to have to load the other one. You guys left that one loaded? So guess what? God wants to work in your life. The question is, how much do we want God and do we want to allow God to work in our life? How much do we want God to work in my life? How much do I want? How much do you want the Lord? We go to work. Why do we go to work? Let's, it's not a trick question. Why do you go to work? Because you need money. Right? Why do you go to school and get an education? So you can make money. Right? Yes? And all of that? And then we, why do you send your kids to school? Because they're supposed to go to school. So you go to work, your kids go to school. Then there's soccer games, baseball games, football games, PTA, PTO. When I was growing up, it was PTA. Now it's evolved into PTO, which I don't know. To me, a PTO is a power takeoff. My granddad said, do not get your pant leg stuck in that because you'll lose your leg and probably your life. It'll throw you around like you're nothing. Right after he spit his chewing tobacco juice on the hammer, he said, but you go over there and hand me that hammer. Yeah. All right. So anyhow, we do everything that we have to do because we have it prioritized. But where is God in our priority list? Where is God in our priority? Okay? Now I'm not beating you all up. Okay? Let me try it now. I'm not beating you all up. Okay? But there's a lot more people here today than there will be on Saturday night for prayer. Because it's called priorities. Okay? Priorities. It's one hour. We got 168 hours in a week, and we need one hour to pray. Can we do it? No, because we're busy. No, because I got to mow the grass. No, because I got to get groceries. No, because I'm just too tired. No, because the devil will let you. And you know what? It's so easy to get up and go to the football game. 
I used to go to the football game an hour early so I could get the seat I wanted. I can come in here for church one minute early, for prayer one minute early and get any spot I want. Amen. Any spot. Why? Because it's about our priorities. How do we get here? Listen, there were substitutions that had to be made. Let's look at this for a minute. There's a substitution here. Genesis 3.21. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothe them. God had told them, in the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. So when they, when God got ready to displace and or to dis, dispatch and put out the judgment, He realized that His prized creation, man, is in the middle of this judgment rendition here, this judgment situation. And so God decides that He is going to kill an animal and clothe their sins and save their lives. This is called some call it the doctrine of substitution. There was that was a lamb for a man. There was a lamb that gave a life for a man there. Exodus chapter 12 verse 3. This is in Egypt. Speaking to all the congregation of Israel saying in the tenth day of this month you, they shall take to them every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers. A lamb for a house. So we have a lamb for a house. Notice there's a progression here. I'm trying to tell you how we got to where we're at today and why you face what you're facing today. I, when you walk out of here, you're going to face all kinds of situations. You know how easy it is to not be on a diet? Marvelous. You just walk in there and eat whatever you want, however many you want. Krispy Kreme. College and career had Krispy Kreme. There's a hundred, there's a hundred and some calories in a glaze, but I don't like the glaze on Krispy Kreme. I like the chocolate covered custard glaze. Three hundred and twenty calories in one of them. But I said, you know, Laura Dawson was walking in track and she had a heart attack. I'm going to eat this thing. Because God, you're going to take, you're going to, we're going to feast and believe. And I made it to my destination. It's easy to do something when there's no restrictions. But it's hard to do something when there's restrictions. It's hard to go against the current. It's hard to go against the crowd. And you see, living for God is a day-to-day -day thing. It is a, we're in a war. We are in a battle. It's tough living for God. And you know that. I'm not talking to people who are rookies here. Some of you have had the Holy Ghost as long as longer than I have. You know what? It is tough living for God. And there was a lamb for a house in this situation. Leviticus 16, 34 says, And he shall make an atonement for the holy sanctuary, and he shall make an atonement for the tabernacle of the congregation. And for the altar, and he shall make an atonement for the priest and for all the people of the congregation. And this shall be an everlasting statute unto you to make an atonement for the children of Israel for all of their sins once a year. And he did as the Lord commanded Moses. This was a lamb for a nation. Now there's a progression here from a lamb for a man back in Genesis in the garden. And now we then we have a lamb for a house in Egypt as they came out of the uh, land of Egypt and out of slavery. And now in God is setting up the Day of Atonement, which all ends up with Passover. Passover is a feast. And the Feast of Passover is when they celebrate, every year they celebrate at the same time when the death angel came and passed over the land of Egypt. And then they have then the uh, Feast of Tabernacles, which is this fall. Actually, we're right, probably close to the Feast of Tabernacles now, which is the ingathering of the harvest. There was different feasts. This one here was for the Day of Atonement when the lamb sacrifice, God would look at it and say, I'm going to roll ahead the sins of the people one more year. Amen. Guess what? When our high priest, when our high priest hung on the cross 
and he said, it is finished, and the veil rent in two from the top to the bottom. Hallelujah. He wrote, he didn't roll our sins ahead one more year, but he took our sins away completely. Amen. Because Paul said in Hebrews that the, so much more is the precious blood because he said it's not with the blood of goats and of sheep and oxen. Hallelujah. That redeems us from sin. Hallelujah. But it is the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I'm glad I got the blood on me today. Amen. You glad you got some blood on you? So a lamb for a nation. And then the book of John, New Testament, chapter number 1, verse 28, says it like this. These things were done in Bethabara beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. So we went from all of that to a lamb for the world. Amen. Now there's a progression of the plan of God to redeem us, to pull us out of that state of sin and that state of darkness and that state of failure that man found himself in. It was a lamb for a man. It was a lamb for a family. It was a lamb for a nation. And finally, when Jesus shows up, it is the Lamb of God for the entire world. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. See, that's another thing that a lot of churches today leave out. They leave out the blood. They've called it a slaughterhouse religion. Uh, we were talking yesterday, Kirsten and I, when there were some exchange students from Europe who came here about four years ago, and they were involved with our kids in Bible study. And one became very irate and upset because in the Jewish culture, there was animal sacrifices that were given. I don't know why he's upset, because in the satanic culture, there's animal sacrifices all the time as well. You know, if you're going to be grouchy, be consistently grouchy. Right? If you're going to complain, complain about all of it, both sides. Amen. You know, we're learning now about climate change on the news. And every, you know, we're going to have to get rid of our cars. We're going to have to shoot all the cows. The only problem was I saw the headlines on the news today that up in Iowa, the Democrats had a big fundraiser and they ate 10,200 steaks. Well, hey, just because they're getting rid of the cows. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We're going to get rid of airplanes and everything else. What are you trying to say, Pastor? I'm trying to say that we are in a war. I'm trying to say that this, this, this means war. Let's go deeper in this. There has always been strife, animosity, warfare, battle, and enmity between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. There's always been a struggle, and it will never end. Some of you parents that have multiple kids, and you say, oh, Lord, will you two stop fighting? I don't know who you are in here. Let me tell you something. There was a lady who prayed that years ago. She and her husband were in a city called Sofia, Bulgaria. Brother Alinkoff. Remember Brother Alinkoff? Some of you do. It was his wife. Sister Alinkova. And Tony would always fight with Alexander. And Alexander would always fight with Tony. And she prayed one day and she said, God, I pray that you would take these boys and send one to the east and one to the west. Be careful what you pray for. Because Alexander ended up in the Ukraine and Tony ended up in America. How can you fight them? Amen. That's when you have to have intercontinental ballistic missiles. Amen. But there's always going to be a struggle. You're always going to struggle to do right. I didn't put this scripture up here, but Paul said, when I come in and I try to live for the Lord, the things that I want to do, I don't do them. And the things that I don't want to do, those are the ones I do. Anybody relate? We struggle all the time. Somebody comes in and pushes our button, makes us mad, just to let us fly a curse word out of our mouth. Amen. 
Uh, lose our temper. Amen. Get you out there in traffic somewhere. Up my my curse, you know where it's at. It's just up the turn here. Take a hard left out here to 185 and go about a quarter mile to the road radiant intersection. Oh Lord, it was yesterday, yesterday, yesterday. Good Lord, I was the last one there and they kept waving me on. So I went. Amen. And then they were happy. I went and then they went. And everybody was happy. So there's times when I just drive up there, especially when Amy's not with me, and I don't even stop. I just keep on going. I just go on through. The reason I don't want don't take her with me when I do that is because I don't want her to have to evaluate my politeness and my social etiquette. Well, I went through that intersection, and she said, you were not there first. You took everybody. You are so rude. How in the world can a guy be a preacher and a pastor and be so rude? Well, it just happens. You know, it just happens. The Lord puts up one and pulls down another. Amen. Pray that you're not the one going down, that you're going up. You're always going to be a battle. The devil's always going to come after you. He's going to try to get you to backslide. He's going to try to get you to quit God. He's going to try to get you to have a bad attitude. He's going to try to make you mad. He's going to pinch you in church. He's going to pinch you in church one day. Amen. Everybody's going to have black shoes on except you. And they're going to something. And the devil's going to say. I bet they sent out a text and told everybody to wear your black shoes today, but you didn't get texted. You're not on the list because you're not in their click. Oh, now I'm digging in somebody's garden now. See how the devil does it? And nobody sent out a text. Everybody just put their black shoes on because black went with your outfit better than white did. But you see, the devil always wants to make a, a mountain out of a what? Molehill. Come on, those old timers had some good saints. You're making a mountain out of a molehill. What are you saying? You're making something out of nothing. It doesn't even matter. But you see, the devil wants to get you offended. The devil wants to get you upset. He wants to get you hurt. He wants to get you all up in arms. And he wants, oh, Lord, have mercy. He wants to get your panties in a knot, in a wad. Carlita's not here today, so we'll pick on her. Carlita's sitting there, and she looks over, and she sees Macy. Macy's grinning. Now, I use Carlita because Carlita's pretty tough. Oh, you're watching. <laughs> Praise the Lord, Sister Carlita. Woo. All right, let's shut, it off. shut the Internet down right now. No, I'm teasing. I'm saying it's sister, wherever you're at. Where, which, which one am I on? I'm saying this, Sister Carlita, because I know you're tough and you can handle this. Amen. Fist bump. She looks over at Macy, and Macy's smiling, and Carlita says, I know Macy's laughing at me. That's what the devil puts in her mind. I know she's laughing at me. When Macy wasn't laughing at her, Jess told Macy a joke, which she shouldn't have been doing in church, but she did anyway, and Macy laughed. And Carlita just happened to look up at the right time to see Macy laughing and looking at her. But it was because, you see what I'm saying, how ridiculous it gets? The devil gets really ridiculous in our lives because guess what? We're always going to be in strife. We're always going to be in animosity. We're always going to be in battle. We're always going to be in war. That's always going to happen because guess what? The devil hates your guts because you have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. The devil hates you because you are a carrier of the Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Ghost, in your life. There's one thing that you get that the devil does not get ever, 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 and that's called forgiveness. The devil's never going to be forgiven. And you get it. He tricked you. 
He took the ancestry power that Adam and Eve had. He took the title deed to the earth. He took the dominion that we had in the spirit realm, and he, he, he minimized us to a bunch of rubble and ragtag people, and he put disease on us, and he put sin in us, and he put it in our nature, and now we have come out of that. We have been washed in the blood, sanctified by the spirit. We got the power of the Holy Ghost in our lives. Hallelujah. When somebody comes to church that needs through deliverance from demons, we got the power to do it. Amen. We have power over all the power of the enemy and the word says nothing shall by any means hurt you. I'm telling you the devil hates us but guess what we hate the devil just as much as he hates us. Amen. Give the Lord some praise right there. Genesis 3.15 This is King James. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed it shall bruise thy head thou shalt bruise his heel. Everybody say enmity. All right, let's do it together. Enmity. Everybody say synonyms. Synonyms. Say skittles. All right, we wanted to end something on the high note so you felt good about yourself. You ever try to say feminine and it doesn't come out right sometimes? Enmity. It doesn't come out right sometimes. Okay? Just like... The other night, Abby was holding up a Krispy Kreme sign. Now, I gave these girls coaching techniques. I said, now, if we want to sell a lot of donuts, hold the sign up over your face. Number one, you won't be embarrassed standing out here on the street. And number two, they won't see your face. Amen. And... I said, Abby, are you holding your sign right? And she said, I am shaking my sign. But that came out different, partly. And she stopped. And so we got that taken care of. So, you know, things come out wrong sometimes. And so when these things come out wrong, enmity, enmity, what is enmity? So let's go to the New Living Translation on this. Let's see what the New Living says. It says, and I will cause hostility. Between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring, he will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. Now, the seed of the woman is Jesus Christ, okay? The seed of the enemy is the wicked one, the sinner, the wicked one. The devil struck the heel of Jesus at Calvary. But when the Lord rose again the third day, he struck the head of the devil. You've heard me maybe say this before. If I take a hammer, Frank, if I take a hammer and I come up to you and say, Frank, take your shoes and socks off and give me your heel. You do that, and I take a hammer, and I hit your heel with that hammer as hard as I can. It's going to hurt. It's not going to kill you, but you're going to limp for a while. You probably won't like me ever again. It's okay when you don't like me like that. It's all right. If I take that same hammer, and I walk up to Frank, and I hit him in the head as hard as I can, he won't have to not like me. But he won't be here. He will be D-O-A. Dead on arrival. You'll be dead on arriving and you hit the floor. Dead. Because that is a fatal wound. Amen? Jesus struck the head of the devil at the cross. Ginger's been talking about the cross couple others have been talking about the cross. The cross is the focal point of the whole scriptures. Everything from the Old Testament points toward the cross. Everything from the New Testament points back to the cross. 
We are always referencing in our lives, in our walk with the Lord, the works of the cross. He took all of our transgressions and sins and iniquities and curses, and he nailed them to the tree. Amen. He took everything that I owed in my life, in my walk, and he nailed it to the tree, and I can walk free. Hallelujah. Now watch the Today's English version says this. I will make you and the woman hate each other. Her offspring and yours will always. Everybody say always. That's Walmart's motto. One word, always. His offspring, her offspring and yours will always be enemies. Her offspring will crush your head and you will bite their heel. I want somebody to realize today that even though we have been found in a fallen state, that we are now have been elevated up to a position of authority because we have now done everything that we are supposed to do. We have taken on his name in baptism. We have repented of our sins and killed and attempted to kill the deeds of the flesh. We have walked in the power of the Holy Ghost. We have now been walking in victory. Guess what? And the devil knows that you are now a threat to him than you were before you found the Lord. Amen? You see, before the devil had you, before the devil and darkness had you, before all of this, the devil had everything on you that he needed to convict you and send you into eternity, lost and undone forever. But thanks be to God that when John said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, it wasn't just for that day in that Palestinian desert, but it was for generations to come. And you and I now are partakers of the heavenly gift and the heavenly calling. Amen. You're powerful. Look at your neighbor and tell him you're powerful. saying just get that thing out so you can know you need us you need the men's group come on up we'll lower you can help you you're good you're powerful you're powerful how many of the devil's told you weak this week how many of you the devil has told you you're not going to make it how many of you the devil's told there's no way that you can live a walk like the pastor walked. Amen. How many of the devil has lied to every time he opens his mouth? There has been enmity and battle from the beginning of time. And guess what? You're either going to be a warrior and win, or you're going to be a victim and lose. All right. We're either going to be a warrior and win, or we're going to be a victim and lose. You're either going to fight the devil, or the devil's going to crush you. You're not fighting alone. You're not fighting by yourself. God is with you. You just keep coming to church. You just keep coming up there and filling up the Holy Ghost filling station. On the East Coast, people may have never heard the word filling station. A buddy of mine, Joe Gore from Boston, was down around Breeze, was running low on gas. He found somebody, says, hey, where's the, where's the gas station? I said, there's a filling station just down the road. And Joe from Boston said, what's a filling station? This is a Holy Ghost filling station. You come in here on Sundays. Filling station. Right? Don't ask me to repeat that because I forgot the sequence already. You come in here and get your power. Come in here and get juiced up again. Come in here on Wednesday nights and get juiced up again. Come in here on Saturday nights for prayer and get juiced up again. Amen. Because you cannot go forever, even if you've got an astronaut diaper on, 
sooner or later you're going to have to get some filling at the filling station. Amen? I'm going to tell you, do you know how much hatred was in that woman's heart for that other woman that she drove all the way from Houston to Florida and she put a diaper on so she wouldn't have to go to the bathroom? You're going to have to stop and get gas. You might as well take eight minutes and go to the bathroom. But there's so much animosity there. How about if we had that much animosity for the devil? How, much, how about if we had that much hatred for what the devil's trying to do and wreck people's lives? How about all of that? But guess what? From the birth of Jesus, the devil tried to destroy the very baby himself. Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt, and be there until I bring thee word. Now listen to that, okay? I'm an, you're here and you're Joseph. First of all, you've had to overcome all of the, of the, uh, of the skepticism, all of the criticism of the community about being an unwanted uh, pregnancy and being an unwed mother and all of this business. You've had to went through all of that mess and all of that junk in that culture. And now Joseph finally gets through that and the, he, now he has angels coming to visit him on a regular basis. Listen, you get the baby, and you get the mama, and you get to Egypt, and when you stay there, and when I come back, I'll tell you, it's good to come home again. Now, that's, that's a level right there. That's a level of relationship right there. And until I bring thee word for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt. And there and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord, by the prophet, out of Egypt have I called my son. Verse 16, then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, he was exceeding wroth and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coasts thereof from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. Guess what? Whenever God gets ready to do a miraculous move on the earth, the devil, the first thing he does is starts killing all the babies. And he makes it legal. It's called abortion. Now, I don't know your political affiliation in here. I don't know if you're a Democrat or Republican. I don't know if you're conservative or liberal. But I'm telling you this, God is pro-life. God is pro-life. So since 1973, there have been 150 million maybe aborted babies in the United States of America alone. What did Herod try to do when God is trying to bring a move of his presence and plan on the earth? He went after the babies. We are in the last days, brothers and sisters. We are in the end of time. God is getting ready to move on the earth one final time, and we are in that move, and it's beginning to happen. Guess what? And the devil is attacking the babies. So now we have legislatures. We have legislatures in Virginia, and we have legislatures in New York that stand and applause when they say, when the baby is born, if the mother doesn't want it, we just put it off to the side and let life take care of itself. That's called murder. We get more upset over seeing a dog abused than we do a child aborted. We get more upset over seeing social injustice in this world today than we do a baby that's not safe in its mother's womb. Are you seeing what I'm saying? The devil has took everything and twisted it all around. But guess what? It is just like it was in the Bible days. The prophet Jeremiah said that in Ramah was there a voice heard of lamentation and weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children and would not be comforted because they are not. The devil is trying to attack every fiber of our society, every fiber of our being. Guess what? Walmart is not going to sell handgun ammunition anymore. Because of all the mass shootings. Right? And they talk about Dayton and they talk about El Paso and they talk about Columbine and Sandy Hook and they talk about all the uh, 
uh, Mandalay Bay out in Vegas and all these shootings, and we need gun control. And they've even said, we're coming after your guns now. We're coming to get them. We're coming to get them. But do you know what? This weekend, there will be several hundred people shot in Chicago, and there will be 15 or 20 die from gunshots. And I don't see anybody doing anything. And guess what? Chicago has some of the strictest gun laws in the country. The problem is it's evil. The problem is that, you know what, 74% of African-American children grow up in a home without a dad. 74%, but nobody wants to talk about that. They want to get George Washington's mural down out of here, and they want to take down Jefferson Davis's statue here, and it's all of this and all that. I'm telling you, the world is all twisted up. Get ready. Get ready. It's coming down to the wire. But guess what? It's nothing new to God. God's not surprised because it's been happening since the beginning of time. We are in a warfare. We are in a warfare, brothers and sisters, and this warfare is for real. You know it's for real because you get up and face it every day. You get up and face people at work that don't believe the way you believe, and they make fun of you. You get up. You, get up, you know, kids go to school, and it's, it's amazing. Uh, Brother Johnny's nephew was uh, is, is in high school, and he goes to an apostolic spirit-filled church, and somebody else in the school, the classroom, was making fun. They call us holy rollers. They're always making fun. They need to get the Holy Ghost and speak in other tongues. Keep going. I know God is God. God don't ever change. So in the midst of the conversation of making fun of this young man, I'm the I'm the instigator. I'm making fun of yeah, oh yeah, those those people, those Pentecostals, they speak in tongues and all this. There's a hungry soul sitting here listening. There's a hungry soul sitting here listening. If I mentioned the name of the family in town, you some of you would know them. Yeah, prominent name in town. And the, the hungry soul says to the one that was getting persecuted, I want to go see it. And the one making the fun says, ah, oh, you're just as crazy as they are. I don't matter. You know what? It doesn't matter what the people, other people think about you. It doesn't matter what other people think about your walk with the Lord. It's how much do you want Jesus? How hungry are you for the Lord in your life? Let other people laugh. Let them talk. Let them do whatever they want. Because when it's all said and done, when you want to hear him say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord now and forevermore. That's where I want to be. I wish I could take some of my, I don't care what I'm getting paid. I would give Dustin Brewer 30 pounds. I would give Bobby Tate 30 pounds a year. That would get me slim and lean. And then the, those folks in here that you care what everybody thinks about you, I wish I could give you a little bit of admiration. I would. in a situation just not a few hours ago, and they were saying, what do I need to do here? And I said, do this, this, and this. Let them sit for a while. And I jumped up and I said, I got some food to take home. I said, forget. What are we saying? I'm saying, listen, we're in a fight, and you're going to win. You're going to win. You just keep showing up. You just keep showing up. You're going to win. You're going to win. I'm, I'm telling you, ever since my mom died and I was putting together her funeral message, and I did the, I did the deal, she never, you know what, Danny? My mom never had to call Stan. My mom, can you believe it? That's what you need to give the Lord a hand praise for, listen, it's 1252, and I said, let's all stand. You're getting out of here. You're getting out of here. You're going back to hand, foot, and mouth. Yes. Going to be good. My Lord. My mom never had one passport. My mom never left the continental United States. 
I think the furthest place she went on vacation or on a trip was Texas, probably for our wedding, graduation and wedding. I did, we did get her to Mexico and Canada. She did Mexico and Canada. That's when she had the toy snake thrown around her neck in Canada. Best days of our lives. Amen. That's a long story. But guess what? Her first and second generation from her, five continents and 27 countries. 27 countries, not states. Her descendants have ministered in 27 countries on five continents. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying, guess what? Get used to the fight. Johnny, has the devil fought you since you got in the light? Yes. Maybe friends or family say you're crazy. They say that? What do they say? Nothing? Mom and Papa don't say? Nope. You don't believe in Jesus like that, Johnny? You don't believe in Christ? Okay. He's great. Loudon. I, was, I tell you, I got that. So, Randall, next time you see me, say, hey, Pastor Loudy. Loudy. Loudy snoring. Loudy. Loudy. I'm walking the other way. Guys, don't give up on the fight. What, I'm, what am I trying to show you here? I'm trying to show you that you're in the right place at the right time. When you get in a struggle, you're in the right place. And let me say this. The Bible says this. When I am weak, then I am strong. When you're at your lowest and your weakest, you're really at your highest and your strongest. When the devil tells you you're going under, you better know for sure. Nope, I know I'm getting ready to go over. Amen. When the devil says you can, you better know I can. Amen. When the devil says it's too late, you say, no, it's right on time. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand praise right now. Amen. How we got there? We'll pick up at the warfare at the beginning of Jesus' ministry next time. Guys, gals, you're going to win. You're going to win. Just keep doing what you're doing. Keep showing up. Just keep doing what you're doing. Just keep showing up. Amen. Amen.